If you were around in the 1980s, there was a giraffe by the name of Jeffrey. And, uh, you know, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Remember that? Well, it seems like we are living in a nation that does not want to grow up. In a recent article in the New York Times, two out of five of us who are 40 and up, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, etc., regret the college majors that we took. 40% of us. And um, the article goes on to discuss why. One is this push towards careerism, not feeling that one has succeeded in one's career enough. And the other is this new term that I've come across. It's called knowingness, knowingness. Jonathan Lear, a renowned philosopher and psychoanalyst, alludes that there is a crisis of knowingness in our culture. And the crisis goes something like this. We assume that we know certain things and are only open to confirming the knowledge that we already have. Knowingness is somewhat akin to confirmation bias. Now, I'm not a philosopher, but as I see it, knowingness makes the possibility of learning and transformation increasingly difficult. Because, according to that very phenomena, we only hear and do whatever confirms or conforms to our prejudices or inclinations. In Lear's words, knowingness stands in the way of gaining genuine knowledge as there is a posture that we already know enough. Now, in another book uh, called The End of Burnout by Dr. Melisic, he puts it another way by offering an example. He writes, every semester during my years teaching theology, students would tell me on the first day of class that they knew that they would get an A. Why? because they had already had 12 years of theology in parochial school. But often enough, it was those very students who'd end up getting a C, because their assumptions about the subject matter prevented them from learning something new. It prevented them from really grappling with the subject matter and opening up their minds. In our lessons for today, I am going to suggest that there are two individuals who are confronted with their knowingness. First is Peter. We all know Peter, the fisherman. Peter who follows Jesus. Peter who wears his emotions on his sleeves and whose actions are oftentimes laden with quick reactivity and immaturity. Someone who is so immature that he brings out 
a sword to cut off a servant's ears. Someone who is so, so laden with reactivity that he denied that he was a follower of Jesus three times. Yet later on, he is called to be the leader of the Jesus movement, known as the Way in the, in the Acts of the Apostles. And we can see in the book of Acts, actually from John chapter 21 onwards in the book of Acts, we can see that his leadership entails a lot of learning. And his leadership necessitates a posture of humility. Now, our second lesson is taken from Acts chapter 10. And I just want to take you towards the beginning of that chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, it's about noon. And as was tradition, Peter is praying. He's, in, he's doing his noontime prayers. But because it was a particularly hot, sunny day, and uh, it was noon, he was very hungry. So hungry, the Bible tells us that he fell into a trance. While being in this trance, he sees heaven open up and a variety of animals coming down. And a voice keeps prompting Peter, Peter, get up. Get up, kill the animal, and eat. Peter's response as a maturing, faith, faithful person is, of course, no God, I'm not going to do it because those animals are not in keeping with the kosher law or with the dietary laws of our religion. Yet, the voice says a second time, what God has made, you must not call profane. This ongoing discourse happens three times. And Peter is truly at a loss as to what any of this means. Now he's grappling with both hunger, bafflement, and perhaps sunburn. And in grappling with all that, he sees three men approaching him. And he talks to them and he discovers that a centurion or our equivalent of uh, a military sergeant of the Roman Imperial Army has sent three men to invite Peter over for dinner. Now we also read in that chapter that Cornelius is a devout man. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was outside of the covenant community. Yet he was someone who desired a deep relationship with God. And as a result of a conversation that he had with God, he was inspired to reach out to Peter. Poor, confused Peter heads out to meet Cornelius. And when meeting Cornelius and hearing Cornelius' story, his testimony, Peter undergoes a transformation. So much so that his previously limited understanding of salvation being only for the Jews is challenged. That's when Peter declares in the reading today, 
I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter's transformation is, is started when he confronts his knowingness. And in confronting that knowingness, he recognizes God's love for all people and not just for a particular group. And then we come to the gospel today. John the Baptist. John the Baptist in the gospel today prevents Jesus from being baptized initially. Remember, from our foreknowledge, our knowingness knowledge, uh, John the Baptist has virtually known Jesus from the time that both of them were in their mother's wombs. They're related, they're cousins. John is aware of the mission of Jesus. John is aware of who Jesus is, and he prevents, he tries to prevent Jesus from being baptized. Yet his ignorance or knowingness is challenged. When confronted with his knowingness, the heavens open up as a sign of new creation. Beloved, I think Peter teaches us to confront knowingness, for we must be open to listening to the voice of God and encountering the possibilities that God can work beyond our finite prejudices and biases. Beloved, I think John the Baptist also teaches us something, that we need to confront our knowingness. That, and in order to do that, we must be open to experiencing the opening up of heaven in different ways and God's revelation that is possible when heaven does open, us to, open up for us. In other words, we are invited to challenge the posture of knowingness with the posture of humility. And that begins when we acknowledge we need to grow into the stature of Christ. Today, we are going to renew our baptismal vows. We, like Peter and John, we're invited to confront our knowingness by embracing humility and claiming our adoption in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you take a look at our collect today, our collect is a petition requesting God to keep God's covenant and to help us to keep our covenant so that we may boldly confess Jesus Christ our Savior. It is a petition that as we continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers, that we open up ourselves to challenge our ignorance. It happens when we persevere in resisting evil when, and acknowledge that we have fallen into sin and come back to God. It happens when we seek and serve Jesus Christ in the stranger on the street, knowing that that person could be an angel sent from God. We do this when we strive for justice and peace among all people. We do this by truly learning God's word and imbibing the word of God that is sweeter than honey. We do this when we acknowledge our ignorance. 
There's a, there's a wonderful prayer by Archbishop Thomas Cranmer that I have begun to use in my daily devotion as I too face my knowingness. The prayer goes like this, and we pray it in July, and actually um, there's a section called the, the Collect After the Prayers of the People, and, and it can be found there. And the prayer goes like this, Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. Through the one who is worthy, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, it is only God who can remove aspects of our self-righteous knowingness, our ignorance. But what is required is that we acknowledge that we are ignorant and we are weak without God. For it is in such acknowledgement that we can begin a journey to intimately experience the wonderful grace, the love and redemption of our Savior. So as my gift to you, I leave you with two questions to ponder this week. What area of your life do you need to allow the Spirit of God to challenge your knowingness so that God can take you to new heights? What area of your life do you need God to be God? Do you need God to allow God's Spirit to challenge your, your knowingness, your ignorance, so that you can be taken to new heights. Secondly, how will you rely on the Holy Spirit to move you from ignorance into new heights in your relationship with God? May God be with us on this journey. Amen.